I believe that we are live <laughs> and with James Morrison, my wonderful friend. It's so good to see you, James. It's good to see you too. Thanks. You know, we have to stop meeting on Zoom and actually take this to the real world. In the, in, in Yes, in person. And we, we have seen each other once in person since the pandemic started up in Ojai. Yep, that was a great lunch. And it was a wonderful lunch. And so how, so you have not... You guys have not had COVID, thank God. No, oh, I haven't, but Riyadh and Seamus have. Okay, now how did that okay. happen? Well, I was gone. I was in Great Barrington doing the play, and they were supposed to come and see it on opening night. And, um, uh, you know, you know what it's about Seamus's cancer journey and my journey through that and what I learned from it. So he had a shunt episode. He has a, a shunt that drains his uh, his spinal fluid, uh, you know, scientific explanation for you. But um, it, it it malfunctioned. And so he had to stay and, and get a new one in while I was there doing a play about his, his brain cancer. And wow. so they, they, they couldn't come. And uh, then they, while he went in the hospital, they both got COVID. Now, and what version, how long ago was that? That was 22. So they no, had the Omicron thing, probably. Summer, summer of 22. And how, how bad now? Now, Seamus was going through medical stuff, but he was already past his... Oh, yeah. 12, 12, 12 years out then, or 13 years out. And also, he was supposed to go to, to um, uh, Middlebury, Vermont. That's what he was going to do. They were going to go to Great Barrington to see the play. Right. God was going to take him to Middlebury, Vermont. God? Sorry, Riyadh. did you say? Uh, I thought you said God. Now I know yeah. you don't believe in God, so that's a whole I, I, another thing. I, but I believe in Riyadh. Riyadh is you, my God. So you believe in Riyadh. He was supposed okay. to take him to Middlebury for a Spanish immersion for the summer. Okay. So not only did he miss the play and get COVID and have to have his shunt replaced, but he also had to couldn't go to the to the um, to the uh, Spanish immersion. That summer, oh. so he did it the next summer. We, so he he got to do that, but it was it was intense, uh, going on stage to do that play, while they were in the hospital, you know, dealing with another ep episode of of the, the the residual effects of the brain cancer. It was intense. Oh God! So okay, so now because he had had that experience, what was the COVID like for him? Uh, well, you know, I wasn't here for that, so I don't know well, exactly. I, you know, the other thing is is that Riyadh couldn't be with him through that. And then uh, anybody who was in the hospital in those days, they could, they were, if they were, if they were right. COVID, right? They Even though she had it as well. But well, so how did she get it? She got it from him. He actually got it from the camp that he goes to, Camp Make a Dream in uh, Montana. He didn't okay. know. He didn't know that he had it. Um, all this, the stars lined up in that evil way that they do sometimes. Uh huh. And he uh, he got it when he came back, and then she got it from him, and then he had to go do the surgery to replace his shunt, and she couldn't be with him, and it was. It you was mean a... they let him go in the hospital and do that, even though he had COVID? Oh yeah, they had to. It was it was it was an emergency. Uh, I see. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. So 
and they just and mask how, them, you know they just mask them up and everybody masks up and then they do what they have to do and you know and how was it for Riyadh the the, the COVID it, uh, it was it, it was bad and she had uh, some some uh, you know like you do I think some some Has uh, she? yeah yeah some uh, residual effects that, that what is it long COVID I guess how long did that last yeah, um, weeks please don't say she's still got it no no, no she's good <laughs> Seamus has had it twice oh. He got, a, you know, he's in school. He's, he's right. a Pepperdine, so hanging with the, you know. He's in Pepperdine. He's at Pepperdine now. Yeah. Did you say? He's getting his master's. Is that what? Okay, so for those who don't know the story of Seamus, can you it, it give the the? Oh yeah, I forgot we've been. <laughs> yeah, these are people forgot. that we know. I know the story. People don't sure, know yeah, the story. I, I, he's I, had quite a story. You know, you're so good at this. You made me forget that it was anybody was watching. It was just me and you. I think. <laughs> it is, it, it isn't just me and you. It is just, yeah. Uh, Seamus, my son, uh, when he was 10 years old, uh, had medulloblastoma, which is a really rare, but, but the most common, but extremely rare, five in a million kids, uh, brain tumor. And uh, how how is this? How did this manifest? How did you discover this? Uh, he started to, uh, uh, as we look back on it, we saw the signs. You know that you do you because you, you never go. Oh yeah, he must. He's walking differently. That must be, must be a brain tumor because you don't know. You know, but but as we look back on it, it his gait changed. His mm. coordination was uh, affected because it it's the back. It's the cerebellum. So it's your motor skills fine motor skills and balance and uh and then uh he had a vision issue uh, after the last baseball game of the season um and then he threw up the next day so we took him in um let's how see, that quickly was... was all that going on Jay? Yeah. over what period of time was that okay so sunday that was the last game he had the vision problem mm-hmm Monday, we took him in, called the the, the, the ophthalmologist and the, mm-hmm. and the neurologist mm-hmm. because he threw up that next morning. Mm-hmm. Took him in Monday. Uh, the ophthalmologist saw pressure on the optic nerve from behind. Sent us to get uh, to the neurologist, and she checked his gait. So that's the same day. Next day, we got scanned. They saw something. The next mm-hmm. day, they scheduled the MRI. The next day, Thursday, uh, he had the MRI. Uh, and said so they saw the the tumor Friday nine hours of brain surgery. So it was it was five oh days. Oh my gosh! And so and nothing prior to that. Well, yeah. you said the, his gait. You said prior to that. Well, as we you know, as we look back, we saw signs. Right. He quit tap dancing. And, and this how, is all how uh-huh. in the over, play over the course of how much time would you say? So this this was June from from. This was June. That there was the surgery, June 9th. You know, two two months, and 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 we just were we, as we looked back, we were able to go. You know, that's we took him. He had headaches when he laughed. We took him to the uh, pedi- pediatrician. He said, you know, kids get headaches. We'll keep an mm-hmm. eye on. No big deal. Then uh, you know, I I was his baseball coach, so he and he was a, an amazing baseball player. And he's his his batting and throwing changed as I look back. I I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe it was he was losing interest in the game. I, I mean, uh-huh. I didn't, but he didn't know what was happening to his body. It was a um, hindsight really helped us sort of uh, diagnose, you know. 
And did, was he was he scared through this? Was he concerned for himself? He's a little kid. No, no. Uh, you know, he, kids are uh, pretty fearless. Yeah. Well, he was he was amazing. I mean, yeah, they are, and they 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 just mm -hmm. you know take it in stride. They're so they're they're just like okay, this is. He said at one point, you know, I said this man the last couple of years of chemo and. Uh, uh, it must have really been challenging. I mean, hard, hard man. And he said, no, you know, no, it was just, a, it's just a transition. And I went, wow. no, man. Wow. I mean, in my head, you know, what? Because we don't process things like that transition. Um, and, and what, and, what is your life? What's going on in your life at this time when he's going through? Are you working? Are you in the middle of something? Are you on hiatus? What are you doing there? Can I read the piece? Can I read this little piece? Okay. Um, before you read the piece, James, yeah. I just want to preface is this. That's going to answer that question. Um, okay, good. I, I want you to do that. Um, I, I don't want to be a downer today. I want this to be about you and celebrating you, but I also want to acknowledge um, for everybody who's watching, and there are people who are watching who knew Christina Guzman, and um, and she was befallen today by cancer. And so this is very timely. And as I was explaining to you before we went on the air, I met Christina because she came to Women Who Write, a place that celebrated artists and their art, and particularly the spoken word. And so when we were chatting before we came on the air and I asked you if you would read a piece and you said, yes, I have the perfect thing. And not only is it spoken word, something that we did at Women Who Write before the pandemic, but it's also about your son's cancer, which is what took Christina. And so this, if you will allow me, um, I dedicate you and this and this day to Christina Guzman, who... Um, I am going to miss terribly and um, and thank you for, um, so James is going to share um, a, a brand new piece that no one's no. ever heard. No, no, no. This is from the play. This is from the Oh, play. I thought you were going to share. Okay. I'm all I, confused. Now. I, I will. Absolutely. Okay. That's, but you're oh, going to share a piece from the play well, Because first. it answers your question. It answers what, Excellent. what, what uh, were you doing at the time this happened? Okay. The, the play is, is uh, nine chapters and, and, um, uh, this chapter is called An Utterly Ridiculous Side Note. <laughs> um, it interrupts the it interrupts actually the conversation that we just had about what how it happened and, and the process. Ah, perfect. Okay. We live in pediatric intensive care post-surgery while I'm working on a TV series about a, a nurse in an urban medical facility in which I play the director of the hospital. I get up in the morning and leave our pallet on the floor in intensive care and go off to work on location in what used to be a functioning hospital and pretend to run the place. After work in the pretend hospital, I go home to the real hospital. Well, one day at work at the pretend hospital, I'm on the phone with Riyadh at the real hospital getting lab results about whether Seamus's cancer is spread to his spinal fluid, which this, this cancer does, and this and, and it's, it's really bad news. And I get the good news that it, it hasn't spread as I hear the director call action for the scene that I'm in. So I say goodbye, hang up, uh, hide my phone, take a breath, and start the scene as though it's the only thing happening in the world. That is acting. As soon as the director calls cut, I rush to call Riyadh and our son's real doctor. And one of the actors who plays the doctor on the show stops me and says, 
James, what are you doing here, man? Uh, I don't know. Uh, working? No, no, seriously, what are you doing here? And I don't know. I don't fucking know. I don't even know where here is. I know that I'm everywhere at once and nowhere at all and that I am nothing. But out of nothing comes something. So I think about that. What do I know? I know now. I know now has never been more elusive or 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 uh, alive. I, I know I, I don't know what make-believe is versus what is really happening. I am beyond pretending, but I must constantly act as if. My realities have blurred, but but I'm I'm keeping it together. I'm keeping it together. I'm keeping it together. Well, one day during uh, chemo treatment, Seamus Spiles. You're, you're a sixth uh, grader as soon as step up is over. Yes, yes, you are, buddy. I, you're graduating to the sixth grade and, and you didn't even really go to fifth grade. I'm so proud of you. It's been a tough couple of years, huh? No, it hasn't been tough. It's just a, a transition. A transition, he calls it. In his enlightened state, he tells me to embrace the inevitability of change. He wants me to leave my fears here. And in my primitive, fearful father state, I see that as hope. And that hope keeps my head above the murky, churning water I feel I'm drowning in. And it calms it, purifies it. It parts the clouds, brings the sun. It silences the voices of fear I hear at 3 a.m always 3 a.m. When I try when I when I rise to keep watch like my ancestors did before me. I enter a whole new level of empathy with my son. Something out of something. I can finally understand the language he speaks when he's asleep and dreaming, a groaning gibberish response to a dream he's trapped in. A loon's cry through the steam fog rising from a lake. A wind-fed wildfire roaring through the pass and into the valley. Or the whistles, moans, and clicks of dolphins as they speak. That's... Uh, oh, James. Wow. Okay. So, so the play is called "Leave Your Fears Here," which is the reference and, to. And how um, how can we see? Has it been filmed yet? No, no. It's we didn't get a chance to film it uh, when we were in Great Barrington. We we uh, will be doing it in in Atlanta in April, and we'll hope to get a. But but you know I'm not sure I'm ready to to do I don't know broadcast quality. Mm -hmm. And yet it needs to run for a while. Uh-huh. I got that. It wants to be ready. Are you going to do it again in Ojai? I might do it uh, at, at uh, the the Underground uh, Exchange. I've been talking to Bernie and Cassidy. I about hope you do, because we'll be there. I would I would love to come and see you. Yeah, he's got a nice new space. and he. he There's a new space? Well, I was in a space about a year ago. Oh, yeah. He moved to actually to the space right next door. Oh. It's bigger and and uh, it's a it's a proper you know theater venue now. It's really nice. Oh yeah, that was folding. The old one was folding chairs. Yeah, he's got he's got uh, uh, 
permanent seating now. And How wonderful. Yeah. Um, some Barbara just said, listening to James Morrison speak gives me chills. Oh, nice. Me as well, Barbara. Um, uh, oh, well, I hope I get to see this live. And, uh, what, what, I, I, and I related to so much of what you were experiencing and the feelings that you were having, as I'm sure any parent can has in in our own way through our oh, own sure. stuff yeah, yeah. yeah um so you you've lived to tell the tale more importantly Seamus has lived to tell the tale yeah. um how it, long a journey was was it for him for you it took him uh well two years of chemo so then he had to learn how to walk again he lost the ability to walk talk and was that that was that because of the chemo no, it was the surgery. It was the surgery. There's a there's a, a, a condition called a posterior fossa syndrome after that surgery on the brain. Boy, didn't you? You're a doctor now. You could play one on TV, couldn't I, you? I have played, yeah. In fact, I talk about that with a doctor in the show. <laughs> um, so um, we learned, we learned uh, way too much about all mm. this stuff. So he lost the ability to walk, talk, use his right hand, and um, and he couldn't see for a while. Oh. Um, sometimes you you know there are different there are different uh, re uh, symptoms. You you can uh, you cause facial paralysis, which he's lucky he didn't have. Um, it can paralyze muscles, uh, swallowing muscles. Uh, one of the things the doctor was the surgeon was grateful for when he started talking again was. Uh, or, or actually eating, he thought he thought he felt that he would start talking sooner because of the the, the muscles weren't affected. But yeah, he it was about two two years uh, of recovering. Oh and how how was he during that? I can only imagine what it was like for you and Riyadh. How was it for Seamus? Was he scared? Was he? You know, he had moments. Uh, uh, he never showed any fear when he was when he couldn't speak. He was he just took that in stride. I mean, you know, he had uh, we taught him uh, some American Sign Language when he but before he could talk when he was a baby. Mm -hmm. he, wow! He, wow! Yeah. So he so he could so he could say more and help me and you know milk and you know um, before he could speak. So he 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 um he knew some of that. He could communicate. Uh, um, thumbs up was always was a was a good one. How's everything? You know, um, but he what he didn't really show any fear, he, and of course you know the the radiation and chemo uh, does you in mm -hmm. uh, as an adult. So you can imagine with you know, but he just go lay down and and get he just get tired and lay down. He he was a, a, a amazing, as they all are. You know, like like you said, they're incredibly resilient, but they're. They're also, um, they have a different, they, they don't, for some reason, have that self-pity mechanism mm -hmm. or need to, I don't know, it's, and, and, and we, we lived on three months in the children's hospital in LA, so we saw all, all these kids going through this on our floor in rehab. Um, and it was the at the time it was the only hospital west of the Mississippi that provided that kind of rehab. So you know we saw these kids just in in they were in recovery they they were sick and they were getting better. That's that that was um, 
if if we if we monitored how the doctors spoke about this, um, because they brought in the the the, the bad energy, they they because they right. you know they didn't use age appropriate language with them. They 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 were they were downers, and and several times and also they're self protective. Well, we're going to tell you the worst possible case scenario, so you won't blame us if you know so what no, happens. No, no right? lawsuits and, and, yeah. and but, but they just don't know. They don't know how to, you know, what we, we discovered once uh, the, the, his school, we went to the Willows uh, mm -hmm. school at the time mm -hmm. in Culver City, beautiful school. And, and, and they were so supportive. They were family. They were there with us. And they would always keep us surprised of how they were talking to his classmates about this. And they would say, you know, we're trying to figure out how to what age appropriate language for these kids. What happened to Seamus and, and how he's going through this. And it's, it's, it's a challenge to, Mm -hmm. doctors didn't you know in rare cases the therapists were great and the nurses were 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 great but the the, the doctors for the most part were uh, kind of clumsy so we had to keep on them about this don't don't bring that that's why you know Riyadh where the title comes from is that Riyadh put a sign up <clears throat> on the door a paper bag that she wrote leave your fears here so that you didn't bring them into the room oh to infect him basically and and to we wanted to control the uh, the language that all this was living in for him and so so we could control how he perceived it all and it uh, you know i like to think that's that it beautiful happened. yeah how did you guys meet i don't think i've ever asked you this before we met in a play um first day of rehearsal for a play called el salvador in, how long uh, ago in 1998, 1988. So a long, long time. And did it, was that it? That day? It was it. Yeah, it was it. Um, yeah, it was complicated at the time. Um, I was in another relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but it was, uh, you know, we met, it was like, you know, good to see you again. And, um, that was it. There was no, no, no denying it. No turning back. So, yeah. we, and we ran for eight months. It was a great success. And so, we saw each other. You know, the, the, it built through the run. You know, yeah, it was it was wonderful. I've gotten to watch you for the last ten years or so, and not together. I've never met Riyadh. I can't believe that. That's crazy. We have to. We have to we'll, rectify yeah, that. Next time you're here, we'll make that happen. Yeah. Absolutely. But I can tell just by the way you speak of her and all the the projects that you do together, which we're going to talk about some of those in a minute. Um, but just the way you speak of her and the there's a grace and uh, a respect and uh, there's just something very lovely about you too that I can tell from afar. Um, were you always like that in relate? Is that just who you are in relationship, or is it you too? And what do you do? You guys do something to keep that to keep that real because relationships take work. Even the best of relationships yeah. take work. Yeah. Um, I laugh. I only laugh because you know. Before I got sober, I was I was a. A, a different a dick 
That day was kind of, I, 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 yeah, I, I was occasion, occasionally, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'm still making amends and, and, uh, you know, living my amends for that. But, but, uh, I packed a lot into the 15 years that I was out there. So we're going to talk about that too. All right. But, but let, let's stay here for a minute. But yeah, so I'm you, just saying that. Uh, so yeah. how, Okay, so you so you had some sobriety. You had a few years. You had some years of recovery. Six, you had six about, years. Yeah. You had six years of recovery. So you'd been working back. a program, and yeah. and um, so you already had some a modicum of grace it, it happening in your life. But still, relationships, even in sober, yeah, are hard. They're challenging. Yeah. Um. So how do you do it? What do you do? Well, you do you. you what you you uh you you have to be willing i think to admit that you're wrong first of all mm -hmm. when you're wrong and you but it and that takes humility so you it starts with humility i think and uh and and a willingness to uh admit that you know I, in my case anyway i don't know i think uh, i i probably speak for a few people when 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 i say that uh the person, uh, this person that I fell in love with, and 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 uh, was willing to uh, humble myself with, uh, saved my life. So Absolutely. if you, well, if 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 you find that that person that commands that kind of respect that makes you change how you view all relationships not just that one but i think they they that that uh the the depth and and um weight of the, that responsibility ch changes how you your perspective on everything it, it's 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 this yeah, yeah go ahead I was going to say, was it that way from the get-go, or did you grow into oh, that yeah, together? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. it was immediate. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, uh, and I'm talking about events, you know, life-altering events that uh, that create poets. I mean, I talk about this in the play. Seamus is a poet, and he became a poet after the, the, his mm -hmm. cancer bout. Mm -hmm his recovery but he wrote some before that but he became a poet during that time and i think when when we're uh the poetry how poetry has always been there we've we've just been waiting to meet it and we we, we meet it when it when an event like that occurs mm. and it, it changes uh it changes our perception of the world and it changes how we behave in that in the world it, uh, it changes how we react to things, uh, just as that event, uh, a cancer, a, a life-altering event of that magnitude. Uh, now, when something happens, uh, we'll say to each other, you know, it's not brain cancer. You know how you, you know, actors, when they're on the set and they start to get, you know, this isn't cancer research. Well, you know, what, what it's really not is it's it's not cancer cancer research please that's just that's still you know experimentation and and right there's no there's no life and death there that's just work 
Um, so, so we have to, you know, it changes our, 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 our perspective and, and our perception. I, I love what you said about admitting that you're being willing to admit that you're wrong. I heard this great thing last week that has been sort of life altering for me. Uh, a gentleman said that he has a mantra that he says every day, like 50 times a day. Um, I don't know. I need help. I might be wrong. And I've never heard that before. I've heard people say, you might be right. And to me, when you say to someone, you might be right, you know, it's been used on me. And I can take that in a con as a condescending sort of somebody's using their program on me and they're telling me I might be right because that's what their sponsor told them to say, but mm -hmm. they don't really mean it. But mm -hmm. I might be wrong is always humble. Mm -hmm. there's always a humility there right. there's always some right there's so when you said you that it was right. like you know you might be right but you know just you know i don't know i need help i might be wrong and i think having that attitude through relationship any relationship all relationships can only be a help oh sure and and you know you hear it in different so many different contexts you hear it uh in a learning environment you hear uh uh you, you know, there's no place called I know. I heard that from my teacher when we when I was studying yoga to teach yoga. At the end of this thing, we took this test, and it was you know just remember when you there's there's just no place called I know. It's it's you're always going to be, it's always coming in. It's always going to, you know, take the place of something else, something new. And then the other thing is when you really look at that, what kind of a sh uh, what kind of a willingness you have to to be open to the possibility of being wrong, but also to the possibility of not knowing. I mean, not knowing and being able to admit, I don't know. Amazing. It, look what happens to you. Everything opens up. You know, you're you're suddenly you're just you're all this information. There's room for. And the big fear for me was always I had to know everything or people would think I was dumb, right? If I, I have to know everything, I thought, or I would look foolish or I would, but my great respect is for the person who says, I don't know. I don't know. R right away, I'm like, oh, wow, that's brave. I, yeah. I like that. Well, that's what we heard in the rooms when we first, when we first came in. People, uh, you, 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 I used to call my sponsor and I'd say, man, I, you know, I'm, this is this is what I'm this is what I'm I'm, I'm doing this has happened this I and what am I feeling I, I, I and I don't know I don't know what I'm and well you know it sounds like anger sounds like anger uh really you know because of course we it's it sounds it sounds uh oversimplified mm -hmm. but when you come out of the fog and when you're experiencing things for the first time. And so one of the big things I heard coming into the rooms was, you know, it's okay not to know. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And I just went, wow, that takes a huge weight. Yes. So, yeah. so let's talk about this. We've, we've talked about it before, but we have new people with us today. So you're sober over 41 years now. Yes. Yeah. 40 in October, yeah, 40, 42 41. years in October. Yeah. So, okay, 
what on earth possessed you to get sober so young? I mean, I was still experimenting for a long time. What, 28, 28, you got 28, yeah. Now, were you so bad? Did you get in so much trouble? What happened to make you give uh, it up? I grew, I grew up with it. Um, what I, what no, was your drug of choice? Alcohol, whatever mm -hmm. you have. I mean, you know, they're saying, you know, whatever you have. Mm -hmm. Um. I tried it. I tried everything, mm -hmm. and uh, but I grew up with uh, the disease. My parents mm -hmm. were alcoholics; they were sober. Mm -hmm. They died. I got to go to meetings with my mom. Oh my! At a year sober, I was a year sober. She was. They were. My bad dad was twenty some twenty years sober. My mom was seventeen years sober. Wow. My mom was more act. My dad wasn't active in the program, but my mom mm -hmm. really was. Wow. And. Uh, did did your mom get sober because of you? Did you show them the way? Oh no 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 no! She was uh, she she was seventeen years sober when I got sober. She was seventeen years sober when you got sober. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was a year sober when she died, and not even a year sober when she died. Oh oh oh! I heard that wrong. Oh yeah. wow! Okay. Yeah. In fact. So you grew up kind of with the rooms, kind of the, you know, with all of that kind of around you well I, I, not the rooms per, per se because i didn't go to meetings with her because mm -hmm. but she, and you know how they say about 12-stepping family members mm -hmm. what how she would do it w w would be uh you know she left her book lying around and she talked about oh mm -hmm. i had a great meeting or or she would say uh she'd call me up and say jim i need you to go with me i'm going to pick up a a a, a, a sick uh a drunk and they're on the street. We got a call. I'm gonna go. We're oh, gonna wow. go down to Fourth Avenue in Anchorage, and I need you to go with me because he's probably gonna, you know, who knows? I need, I I can't handle it by myself. And you're strong, and you can help me. And I go, okay, okay. So we go down with, and and she, we take him to the hospital, and and leave him. And then I, and then she'd say, "Where, well, honey? Where, how, where can I take you?" And I say, "We just, you know, I take me somewhere. I can get a beer because." That was that killed me, and I need a drink. <laughs> and so, okay, just don't drive. Okay, honey, bye. You know, that was her way of showing me where I was going to end up. But she never said that. Wow. But I walked away with that. Was she in the sister program over there? In the, the, uh, the people, places, and things program. Did she know to keep her hands? Oh no, she. Anchorage? Well, you know, she was in Anchorage, so I don't know. I had a, that probably didn't even exist there. Whatever yeah. they called it up there. Yeah, but mm -hmm. and so I went, and I've only been to one Al-Anon meeting in my life, but I mm -hmm. certainly qualify. Mm -hmm. It was the most amazing experience I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. So, but what was the question? Uh, so, the, so what got you know, to? What and what, what, how did you hit your? What brought you to your knees? What got you to stop? Um, I was, I was doing a play, uh, with a, a guy who was sober mm -hmm. and I was, uh, you know, coming in and talking to him before the show, we got to know each other and talking. And I, I finally, I just, I felt like, you know, this is, I'm not, this is killing me. I can't do this. So I, and I, I would talk about it with him and, 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 uh, one night he said, uh, you know, that, you know, this is going to, I can't, I would come in hung over from the night before, but I never drank before a show, but I would, I'd be hung over, you know? 
And he said, uh, one night he said, uh, you know, this is going to kill you. Right? I said, yeah, yeah, I know. Probably, yeah. He said, just your look, it's going to take you 50 years to die. And I just went, oh, my God, man. I mean, it struck it hit like a brick in the head. And I just it's went, I can't. Right words at the right time kind of thing? Uh, yeah, but I mean, I just said, I can't. It was just the perfect thing to say. I can't live like that. 50 years like this? Oh, my God. And then I also was dating a, a, a person, who, and I credit him with saving my life, but also her. Um, and she and and before she kicked me out, and I had to, you know, go live in my car. And I was new, and I was newly sober. I was trying to stay sober. She said, "You know, you're abusing your gift." Mm. And that those two things I remember as being the things that that uh, I needed to hear. So, whatever you know, I just said. But was there like a defining incident? Like a was there? Okay, this is going to be my last drink. You know, did you? Did you? You didn't have a moment of. Uh, no, well, those you had were, moments of clarity, but those were the moments. Those were the things that I heard. That, that did I did. You take a drink and say, "Okay, this is it. This is going to be my last." I don't remember that. You know, I know. Mm -hmm. I, I just remember. Well, first of all, I quit drinking in June. Mm -hmm. I quit drinking alcohol. And I and I. Uh, would, and six me, you know, I'm six months of meetings, and I and I well, June, July, August, September, five five months. I, I you know, take an occasional Valium and and take a hit of a pipe, because I, you know, I, and I, but I thought, and I was at the, going to the meetings, and I thought, yeah, this is, yeah, no, I'm not drinking, and so mm -hmm. and finally, uh, I don't know what happened. I just went, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not. I think I heard in a meeting somebody say something. I'm not sober. So I I'd called my sponsor and I said I am I'm a liar I'm a horrible I'm a horrid man I'm 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 a dirty rotten son of a you know? <laughs> and, I, and he said wait a minute wait a minute it it's not that big a deal we're not running a race here just change your sobriety date and and uh, pick up a and and raise your hand as a newcomer and it's not a big deal and so I did and um, I mean I had such broken perceivers you know. Mm -hmm. uh, not only was I not in touch with my feelings and as an actor how could you how could that how can you do that I mean I thought I was because I had a lot of them but they weren't mm -hmm. they weren't real you know and and I every chance I got I I wanted to get numb so yeah. let's talk about that how, how did you discover that you had this gift this this acting gift what when did that become apparent to you well i think it's tied to the to the to the uh to my addiction uh, but you were I, doing it long before that right well i, I was in i was eight, 18 when i started and I, but i was abusing drugs and alcohol then i mean from my first drink at 12 a drink at 12 years old 13 whatever it was 13 right 13. um I was drinking alcoholically, you know. So, I I I, uh, I tied it together because I was looking for an alternative reality. You know, I was I didn't like the one that was presented to me or the one that I was in, 
And make-believe offered me a really great escape from it, same way drugs and alcohol did. Mm-hmm. So I I really I really enjoyed that. I, I, I enjoyed the, the, the child's game of make-believe of it. And so I think I think that's all tied together. And 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 then of course when I met Harry, my teacher, that was what he taught. And I met him as I was getting sober. Ah. So it was it's all tied, it's all tied together. It's all intrinsically interwoven, you know. And I I think your work up until the point you got sober was on the stage. Were you already doing TV? We oh no, we in fact, I I, uh, I I got my my first uh, TV gig, my SAG card job, the day my mother died. Uh, that that happened, and so um, wow. in fact, I wrote a piece about that uh, uh, that's that's included in these this the other uh, solo piece that I'm writing now. <clears throat> Okay, so now we have to segue into that. So, okay, so we I want to talk about showing up, which yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which I watched the first time with my daughter, who is uh, was studying to be an actress, and she was in Tish, and uh, oh, yeah, she was yeah. at Atlantic, and 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 being an actress, she's now in law school, actually, and uh, betrothed. She just got engaged. Oh, and um, but yes, going to law school um, had. A, Quite, but but because she got out of Tish in the middle of a pandemic and there were no auditions, there were no auditions, right. there were no projects, there was nothing. Why well, they couldn't even work together, could they? There, there was nothing going on. So, um, but in any case, so I watched it with her the first time as somebody who I had given that part of my life up completely. I was doing this, right? And now, um, just before Christmas, um, an agent found me and said, oh, you're perfect. I want to send you out. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I couldn't rem- remember the line of dialogue of you. And who's going to want a, a, like a middle, you know, an old lady with feathers in their hair? And a, no, this is great. We're going to do this. So I have an agent for like the first time in my life. Anyway, and so now I watch your movie showing up about auditioning with a whole new set of glasses. Right. Mortifying to remember what it's like. And I will remind you again that Stephen Spinella and I went to college together and were oh, in okay. uh, many classrooms together. And, Beautiful uh, man. Yes, um, and his his last bit in in the film, there there were the last three pieces. I think they were all crying. I know I was crying watching them, and I believe they were kind of all tearing up as they yeah, were they saying were, they, them. They, 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 they accessed their humanity, didn't they? Wow. I mean, what a pa- okay, so now I want to ask you, so showing up. So tell us first about showing up, and then we'll talk about your personal experiences. Okay. What, well, made, what made you make you and Riyadh make this film? Um, the idea first came to me when I was working in San Diego at the Old Globe. And I was talking to a Tom Lacey, who's in the uh, showing up, uh, character actor, lovely man. And he told me this harrowing but hilarious audition story while we were sitting there in our tights and waiting to, you know, <laughs> in the in the in the green room. And and I laughed and and it was moving and and I and I went, wow, uh, you know, he's such a good storyteller. We all, you know, what, wouldn't that be great to like maybe do a book or 
some kind of a, I didn't even think it would be, I didn't even think movie. Uh, I just thought audition stories. And so that, then it just sort of sat there and germinated for a couple of, a few years. I mean, this was 85. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Almost 20 years. Wow. And, and, uh, when I finally came down to making a movie, I said, what, let's make a movie. We've made a couple of movies. We just, let's do a documentary. We would talk to these actors. They're great storytellers. So we, we went into this thing sort of blindly, not really knowing what the what the story was going to be, what the, narr the narrative through line was going to be, until we went to New York and met Stephen. We met, uh, well, uh, Jack O'Brien. Um, Nathan Lane. Well, the, the, the first trip to New York. Oh, ah. Was the was the uh, was Stephen and and, and Yule uh, Vasquez and and uh, or Kristen Chenoweth and but but uh, B D Wong. Uh, oh, so such stories. So so, but when we, when we sat to, and started talking to them, and 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 all of a sudden, uh, they started really re revealing their deepest feelings about this thing, and you know Stephen went where went where he went. And we looked at all this footage when we got home. We, we did two trips to New York and we uh, had a couple of sessions in LA. And when they revealed themselves so deeply and so honestly and truthfully, and, and they just were naked, they ripped out their hearts. You know, that, you know, the Stones song. Uh, I know it's only rock and roll, but I like it. That's sort of, they, they just tore out their hearts and just said, here it is do with that what you will you know and and we felt a responsibility to to uh to go deep and so we uh we tried to make a, an, a you know create an environment for them to be able to do that but you know some of some could and some couldn't mm -hmm. and it, it wouldn't have been it would have been too much to have everybody do that yeah, yeah. Some of them were more, much more emotional and really. Yeah, yeah, and then some. You know, we needed the humor. We needed somebody to be, you know, to uh, to be to say, okay, here's here's the deal. This is what it is. I love it or I I hate it. You know, um, uh, Chris Messina went went there. Uh, 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 Christopher uh, Maloney, uh, Christopher Maloney, did us he gave us a whole. You know what oh I mean? Oh my God, his his wow. Yeah, yeah, and and, and uh, you know they they. I mean, I'm I'm only singling them out because I'm I'm doing the. You know, I think Is everybody. Is Christopher would... Maloney the one who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His story has a lot of this. And then we had the, you know they had the old timers like Eli Wallach and Pat Hingle and and uh, who who had this distance from it, in their age and experience and mm -hmm. and, and uh, in their sagacity and you know. They were able to say, you know, but you could see underneath it. Yeah, it's bullshit. Although Eli Wallach's story was very. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Pat's, too, when he's talked about mm -hmm. how long he had to, the line went up here and it went down mm -hmm. here and it went over here and went to, And then so you waited. You were there all day and you went, you mm -hmm. know, and then or, 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 or walking to the into the offices and, and saying, you know, into the producer's office and they, and they look at you and go, yeah, there's nothing for you today. And, and he goes, well, how do you how the hell do you know? You've never even seen me act. What do you so? But they had a they had a a distance on it from you know they were there was a wisdom or something I don't know. We had all, I mean 
then there were people that we interviewed that, and, and, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't, they weren't willing to be revealing at all. And in fact, mm-hmm. a, a dear friend of mine that I lo- that was a friend, we could not find anything that spoke to what we, where we had decided to go with the film. It was mm-hmm. more how to audition. And, you know, and I was going to say, when you said, when you mentioned your daughter at Tish, we took uh, and showed it to students at NYU. And, um, you know, a lot of them really got it. I mean, like you did, they got mm-hmm. the, but there were some of them who said, well, you know, how come there's not more about how to do it? Oh. How, to get, how to get the job? Cause, cause they're not, I don't know. They're not getting that in school. How can they teach that? Mm-hmm. You can't. You have to do it. And they haven't lived life and they don't know what those feelings are that they don't know no. that frustrate. They don't know all that stuff yet. No. And they want to, they want to, to what's the trick? What are they, you know, how do you, mm. and, and I, and every, I, we just said, you know, we don't know. Nobody knows mm. if we knew <laughs> we could bottle and sell it. So know? James, since the pandemic and, I mean, everything was self-tape for now. Somebody just wrote on Facebook, oh boy, you know, I just did my first live audition. Um, How do you feel about, are you auditioning? Are you, are you live auditioning? Are you self-tape auditioning? Are you not auditioning? Are you? No, I'm not. Well, I'm in Ohio, so I don't, I, I, I stopped live auditioning. Um, 12 years ago, really. I mean, a couple of times I would come down, depending on mm-hmm. who it was and what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, first of all, the thought that you have to audition at all at this point is absurd, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. speaking of humility. And, and, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, there are rooms that I, 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 can't, I, I don't, I'd rather not go into. Um, actually mm-hmm. because um i don't know i'm just sort of waiting for the right thing i i i i, I pass on a lot of stuff that i just i, I read because i i've been i've done it and been there and i, I don't want you know I, mm-hmm. but i have an audition uh that i have to get in tomorrow that is really really a good project and i and it's uh i can't multitask like i used to i don't know how you feel about that but um, I can't, for instance, I'm learning my lines, I'm learning the play so I can do it in April again. Mm-hmm. And I get an audition and I have to put, the, I can't do both things. Like, Well, somebody you, was saying in, in the film that I can't do two auditions in one day. Oh, Margo, Martindale, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't do that. I can't no, be both great. these people. Yeah. I can't. <clears throat> but when we were young, it was no big deal. Yeah, I'll be that. I'll do it in the mm-hmm. afternoon. I'll be that mm-hmm. and in the evening I'll go do the play mm-hmm. you know there was no uh, but but anymore you just you need to focus that's why you know you asked me to do uh, uh, the song and and I and I went oh my god I haven't I've been I've been do, working on my play I play the guitar <laughs> it's like I mean I try to pick it up and I noodle and I you know but I don't you have to I have to spend I get it. You know. I get I it. Just, I can't just, like I used to, frit, frit around from thing to thing. Okay, and, so how, okay, how the hell, I'm really curious about this. 
How do you, at this stage of life, how do you learn lines? Do you have a trick? Do you have a system? How the hell do you do it? Oh, it's, it's you know. Studying, over and over and over and over and over. And, studying, I mean, like, what do you do? repetition, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in fact, uh, it took me five months when I did it in Great Barrington. It's an hour and 20 minutes. It took me five months, and then two weeks of rehearsal, I got line notes and line notes. I had, I you know, uh, the the ASM came in and worked with me for you know an hour before rehearsal. I mean, it was yeah, hard. That has to be okay. So how about for, how about for an audition? Okay, so you have sides now. Zoe um, <laughs> was saying that she had to learn twenty pages for who's gonna? Yeah. I'm not gonna learn twenty pages for an audition. Are you kidding that. me? What? We str- we had a strike about that. What when was this? It's in your film that she learned twenty. Oh pages yeah, see that for... was well, yeah that was before the. Come uh, on, get oh, no, out that, of that's here! Why, that's why we struck. You can't, you can't, and then they say, you know, yeah, bring, uh, get it's due on. Uh, it's, you get it at six p.m. and yeah, so tomorrow afternoon, and they give you twenty sixteen pages, and you go. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, but then, you know, part of that since we're talking about this is is you know our need to to you know for perfection we have to oh i got to be memorized oh no you know you don't it's a reading i mean if you have if you memorize what you can memorize but don't don't beat yourself up about this i always say you know they're they're not looking for memorizers they're looking for the person that they wrote you know i don't know who it is in the I think he was, was he casting director or director? Somebody in the film says, if this is your part, you're going to get it. It doesn't matter how much preparation you do. It was you. Yeah. And, and, and if it's not, it doesn't matter how much you do, you're not getting it. And I kind of, I believe that. It's, it's right. And, 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 you know, but they want, they're looking for, and, and and, you know, there are people who would disagree and that's okay. It it sort of, I, I think, uh, this approach takes the pressure off you and mm-hmm. and and it takes the distractions because your job is to be that person in those circumstances. I also love what you said the last time you were on, you were talking about being of service. Yeah. Didn't you talk about That's that? Right. Being of service to the character, being of service to the project. And um... yeah, okay. I've got a great story for that, actually. Great. I think it's great. It's so great that I'm going to repeat it for the Good. You know, time. Um, and it's long enough ago that I, I think I can I can say this. I, I was uh, uh, have a, a casting director friend uh, uh, that I love dearly, uh, Deb Zane. She's in the movie. She's like a sister of mine. She mm-hmm. we used to be next door, next door neighbors. She uh, asked Riyadh and I to help her cast this thing once, and so we had to. Uh, uh, full, full, uh, big, big, uh, you know, screen test for, for to find the lead in a major motion picture, uh, a list director, a you know, full costume on the soundstage, uh, screen test. So we spent uh, two days with the director, mm-hmm. um, working with each actor. One day working with one actor, and then they do the both of them. And I, and I, uh, you know, there was a point in the thing when the director would say, he would, he would refer to me as the character's name. And at one point I was, you know, my ego, my ego started to 
you know. <laughs> I'd lost control of my humility. <laughs> and and um, I thought, wait a minute. I want to, why, why isn't he calling me my, why isn't he calling me by my name? I want him to know my name. And then I went, man, check yourself. You are this character. And he's referring to you as this character because that's who you are mm -hmm. in this right. story. Mm -hmm. That's your job. And, and not only that, your job is to be of service to this story, this director and this other actor. And and if I and and I mean that was that was like a, a lightning bolt. Now I'd have I'd had uh, glimpses of, of that, but not 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 like this, because uh, you always think, yeah, we got to go be here, be of service to the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Oh my god! I can pay my rent. I can buy a you know whatever. Well, none of that stuff came in. I just went okay. Now now from that point on. I go in to be of service to these people that are looking for this 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 character. I'm going to show them how I can do it. If if you get if you want me, this is what you're going to get. I try to be as accurate as I can to to the to the character and the circumstances, and not you know try to be clever and interesting and all mm -hmm. that actor stuff. I want to be that guy. I want to be that right. So that when, so that they can go, wow, he was that guy. He was, he was, he was Jake. He wasn't James. He was Jake. And we're looking for a Jake. Let's use him. That's being of service. The best, the best compliment you can have is as you're walking out the door for you to them to call you by the character name rather than your own, right? That's like the greatest compliment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's so confusing when people say, well, they just, that's just the character. Just, I mean, that actor just, all he does is himself. <laughs> you go, man, that's the hardest <laughs> thing to do to make it look that, that to be believable. And, and, and yeah, character actors are fun to watch them chew the scenery or whatever, but, but it's only interesting for a minute. We, we want to be drawn into the story completely and forget that we're watching, you know, an actor. I just saw. I always saw this amazing um, anatomy of a fall. Oh you... gosh! Oh my god! She's gosh. unbelievable. Oh, the whole cast. The whole cast. Yeah, the whole cast. The little boy. They're the all little... amazing. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. And, and, and the same. The same with um, past lives. Past lives also. Loved I mean, that killed me. I was like at the end of it. I was blubbering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and they were those people. They were. They weren't. Mm -hmm. you know, we weren't watching actors anymore. I thought I was watching these people. Mm -hmm. And I was in fact I was, speaking of Deb, I was talking to her the other day. We were talking about this. And and uh she said, you know, the, the best the best compliment you can give an actor, like you said, is as you go, wow, that's that person. I don't even is that is, is that a like and I said, you know, that's so funny you should say that. Because remember when I said to you at the first time I watched um um the Larry David uh uh show sure. uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, the first season, first time I'd seen it, I called you up and I said, and you said, do you love, she said to me, do you love it? And I said, oh my God. And 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 I can't believe that his manager is such a good actor. And she said, what? what? I said, yeah, the, the guy who's his manager. I mean, and she said, no, no, that's, 
Jeff Garland, he's an actor. And I said, what? Oh my God, I thought he was. Oh, you thought Jeff was his real life manager? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know his work. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. believe, I mean, I believed him absolutely. I bought him right. as Larry David's manager. Right. And and um, he was so, you know, but that's that's what we're talking about, right? Right, right, absolutely. All right, so speaking of um, actors. Yeah. <laughs> How about this guy that's got more than half the country believing that he is a worthy candidate to be, oh. uh, um, you know, it's, how long ago did you write Selfish Man? When did you write it? What was going on? What, in... I, I, I wrote it, uh, well, I wrote, uh, I know this is insane. I've I've written two songs about this phenomenon that you of which you speak, um, it, it embodied in this in this specific person. And and the first one I wrote was uh, I don't know you, which was right at, at in 16, 16, 2016, you know. And I think I wrote uh, Selfish Man two years later, three years. You know, we 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 got a taste of what he was you know, there, and I don't know. Um, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that this this uh, personality has inspired me to write music about it. <laughs> but, you know, wherever, wherever you get it, right? Wherever yeah, it, I, I, you know, and it's also, we're, we're watching Fargo right now, don't you know? And it's so Cone Brothers, you, you know that, right? You've heard this before. Like it's it's the latest uh, Fargo. Well, we're, we're, we we oh, yeah, Fargo we're the the movie. Well, we're we're watching the series. We watched the movie again, and now now we've watched. We're watching the whole series. We're on the last season now. Oh, okay. And but the Coen Brothers, the their the feeling about and and the music though from from um, I am the man. What what what, what oh, that was oh, from oh, um, oh, brother, brother? Where, where are there? Your song very could be like right, you know. It, it's very yeah. much has a Cone Brothers kind of feeling. I I want I want them to hear it. They have to hear it and use it. Well, it's in the same key, so it's you know, it's close. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it does have that, and we had that 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 kind of feeling when we recorded it for sure. And with the girls singing in the back, you know, yeah. like that whole thing. Yeah. But 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 anyway, um, it's just a brilliant song. And what's so frightening about it is that it keeps being relevant, which is just seems impossible to me that this can be so. It's it's kind of un unbelievable, yeah. So this is my question to you that yeah. I, I'm asking people: Do you do you believe that he could get elected again? Well, you know, I, I I didn't believe he could the first time, so and I said that, and I, and uh, I was wrong. Um, so knowing I'm gonna, what you know, I, I'm going to have to say I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, back to our mm -hmm. discussion. But, I might but, be wrong. But... Well, um, mm -hmm. because well, I mean, nobody knows. Mm -hmm. So much is going to happen, mm -hmm. and. Um, but knowing what we know, mm -hmm. there are things we know. Mm -hmm. Knowing what we know, it's unfucking believable that he it's, would be. To it's me. 
unbelievable that he could be the leading candidate with what's going on that he is well, uh, yeah it's i mean it's it's taken so many people by uh it, it's just uh you know i i mean i hate to You know, I don't know if you've noticed that I stopped sort of publicly uh, expressing my opinion about. You've been like... expressing much more benign things. I've noticed. Yeah. Much more general. Um, yeah. Things. Yeah. Well, because it it. Uh, well, first of all, I can. I mean, I, I'm going to alienate people, uh, probably even with benign things. I mean, you just you know. Yeah. I have eliminated quite a few people and I and I I left Twitter because I you know I just went wow I, this is uh, I can't I can't deal with this and you know I I I I lurk on Twitter now just to sort of see every once in a while what's what's being said there and it, it's insanity I mean it's insane mm -hmm. I saw a joke the other day in fact I think I I, I put it up it was a uh, the the conspiracy theory awards and there's two guys on stage and one's handing them the conspiracy theory award and there are two people in the audience and it's taken from behind them and they're leaning one guy's leaning over to the other one and he says this is rigged <laughs> and you just go that's that's what that's the basis of their uh the basis of their that's their platform is mm -hmm. everything is is rigged everything is a threat everything is uh nothing is as it seems um and everyone's out to get us well what can we get people to believe what bullshit can we say and get everybody to get behind and believe because i don't think he believes a word of what he said although i don't know do, do crazy people believe their own bullshit i mean maybe he does i don't know well, listen it's it's his job he's 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 a he's a fundraiser he's a he's a carnival barker he's a mm -hmm. he's raising money mm -hmm. he'll say whatever he has to say and sell but in the dark of night does he really believe his own bullshit oh, do you I, think I, 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 you know, who knows? I mean, it, clearly he didn't because he admitted that he lost. Mm -hmm. And people have said, I, you know, he said to me, he, he knew he, he knew that he lost. But if you say that, then people are going to freak out because they're counting on you to off with their heads. All right, James, let's 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 hear the song. Let's uh, yeah. let's do it. OK. This is this is one of this is truly one of my favorite songs. I must have sent it to twenty people in the last twelve hours. I love this. I love this song so much. I wish there wasn't a person it was written about, but I I love the song so much. Well, it could, be, could be about a lot of people. Could be about most of the people that. I'm a selfish man. Don't you know, I take credit for the morning. When I crawl, I take what I want. I don't borrow. I drink tears, I eat sorrow. I'm a selfish man. I will prevail. I don't like to buy things. I like to make the sale. Don't like to be told. I like to tell a tale. 
If you succeed, then I have failed. I have cruel intents. I cut like a knife. I will raise your rent. I will steal your wife. I sow discontent. Every day of my life, I'm a selfish man. I'm a selfish man. I'm self-made. I take credit for the plan, long as it's well laid. I'm underappreciated. I'm underpaid. Give me loyalty, you'll be betrayed. I'm a heartless lover, ungrateful son. I'm a greedy brother, I'm a hit and run. I have no honor, I'm a thieving crook. I'm a one and done, baby, I wrote the book. He's a selfish man. Can tell by how he talks about himself as if he's not there, it's all about him. Nothing else, he's a selfish man. I'm a he's a selfish man. I'm a he's a selfish man. Oh, it never loses its charm. Oh my God. Did that come to you? Did that come quickly? It sounds like something that, did you labor over that or did it come quickly? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, the, the main idea came pretty quickly and then I, you know, the, I, it, you know, writing. The fine tuning like, always takes I mean, time, of course. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't know, you know, I read about these, uh, I remember this great story about the, the Leonard Cohen Dylan story about how long it took Leonard Cohen to write uh, Hallelujah. Do you remember that story? No, I don't think I know that story. Because they were talking and, uh, and and Leonard Cohen asked him about Dylan about a song. He said, yeah, no, I wrote that in about 10 minutes. And uh, and I forget which song it was, I don't know, one of his master many masterpieces. How long did it take you to write uh, Hallelujah? And it was years, it took him years. And, uh, you know, to, I mean, I, it, the real deal is that I'm, I'm, I, I sort of feel like I'm a, I've never felt imposter syndrome um, as an actor. I always feel like I'm, I'm where I ought to be doing what I, you know, but I do feel that when I, when I, when I play and sing, I, I, I feel like a, Somebody's going to discover me and go, "Hey, man, you know, you're not really a, you know, I don't know." Sorry, I'm having a post-COVID yeah. coughing and sneezing attack here. But I, I was I'm rolling my eyes when you said you've never felt the imposter as an actor. I, I've felt the imposter at everything I've ever done in my life. I think at times, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't feel an imposter when I do this. Oh, no. 
but probably pretty much everything else I've ever I done. I think it comes, I think it comes with the territory. There's insecurity, everybody has insecurities. We, you know, I, I, I have my, I, I really, every time I sing a song that I've written or whatever, I, I always feel like I'm, like I really have to suck myself into a, playing a role of, 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 of I'm, okay, I'm, I'm playing the role of a singer songwriter now, instead of just doing it like this is just what I do, you know. Have you ever written your, have you ever written yourself apart? Um, I challenge you <laughs> to write a to write a, a, a piece where you get to be a musician and and put your stuff in there and oh, sing yeah. and stuff. Yeah, sort of like, uh, like what's that? Uh, the Jeff Bridges movie. That'd be that'd be something like that. Kind of like that. What's it called? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won the Academy Award for it. Yes, he did. So memorable. Uh, no, he was so great in that. <laughs> he uh, was so memorable. But somebody who's watching this. Somebody, uh, Tony, you're going to tell us what the name of that movie was because Tony's watching. Crazy, and crazy heart. Thank you, Crazy Heart. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah something uh, well, like yeah, that. I mean, sure. Okay. Um, okay, so now, before we go, you're going to treat us to um, an original, um, something that's, it, it's it's a work in progress. Is it finished? Is it? Uh, okay, thanks. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do, uh, for my next piece. <laughs> my next uh, number? Um. <laughs> I'm right. I'm working on a. a, 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 a uh, it's called uh, Satan's Wild Animal Circus of Agony. Wait, wait, what? Satan's <laughs> Wild Animal Circus of Agony, a five ring memoir. Wow. So there are five short pieces. Okay. This is the, one of the shortest ones. Uh, it, autobiographical stuff, because I that's what I do. Right. Unless I write. You know, songs about uh, existential threats to to <laughs> a selfish man. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, this is called my father's heart. Okay. And I'm going to put this right here. You can probably see my little stand. And my I can see your little stand. Okay, my father's heart. This is one of the pieces. Um, the, the piece about my mother uh, it, it involves. It's called the Clown Motel. Uh, she, uh, another piece I wrote called uh, uh, the, the title piece, of course, uh, Satan's Wild Animal Circus of Agony, about when I ran away and joined the circus when I was twenty-two. Oh God, I wanted to do it the same thing right at that yeah, same you, age. Did you do Ringling Brothers? No, you know, I applied and they and they they didn't accept me to the clown school. So I said, okay, um, I'm going to go to the mud show. And I went to Carson Barnes Wild Animal Circus. Wow. We're going to have to yeah. talk about this one day because I wanted to yeah. join the circus too. Okay. And the other piece is called uh, a Cheese Sickness about when I was a, a serial killer in a play. At La Jolla wait, wait, wait. A, a cheese sickness? Wait, what? Yeah. Cheese sickness. Uh, and and uh, uh, the, the, the Chinese... Uh, life force basically it's like prana chi i thought chi. you were saying cheese okay cheese sickness no i have gotcha. cheese sickness yeah, I definitely okay did. 
cheese sickness. Gotcha. I'm a cheese, my name's James. I'm a cheeseaholic. <laughs> okay, but this one is called My Father's Heart. This was the first one I wrote of the five. <clears throat> In 1971, I was 17, and I could not wait to get out of my parents' house. They were both sober, finally, after years of days of wine and roses madness and remarried after 14 years of being divorced and shuffling me back and forth between them and various relatives while they were thousands of miles apart. My four older siblings were grown and gone. They couldn't wait to get out either. Mom had custom, custody of me and my little brother and, and, and he always stayed with her or a big sister while I was away, while I was sent away to Alaska to live with my dad because she couldn't handle me during the worst bouts with her disease. That's when I learned I was incorrigible which is a, a trait that I still lapse into occasionally, but uh, in a good way. Although I loved them and my parents were kind and generous in their sobriety and living their amends, getting out of their house was my main amb ambition in life. It felt like a life or death mission. I was ungrateful in my pursuit of freedom and blind to everything they were doing for me. A big part of it was that we lived in a trailer I couldn't forgive my father for not buying what I considered a real home for his family, one like my friends had, one that had a foundation instead of sitting up on blocks under the axles with insulated wooden skirting all around it. To me, that symbolized a man who is not grounded, unsure of his status in the world, a man lacking the ability to commit, and I judged him harshly for that. Of course, it doesn't symbolize any such thing, Men like that live in all kinds of places and honorable people live in mo mobile homes. I didn't judge the character of all people who chose to live in them, just my father, because he was my father. And he would have had those character defects no matter where he lived. He was a recovering alcoholic. These are symptoms of the disease. They follow us around no matter where we live. And he was recovering from them to the best of his ability. It was me. I hated living in my own skin. My soul had no foundation. I was a practicing alcoholic. I would have done had those character defects no matter where I lived too, and I did. One day he and had a, he and I had a huger than average argument. I don't even remember what it was about. It doesn't matter. I was a miserable little prick, and he had reached his limit. I stormed out of the house and slammed the door. Fuck you and everything you are! I screamed from the driveway. I'm out of here for good. I've been dying to leave and I'm gone, man. He threw open the door and shouted, you get back here right now. You're not leaving this house. Why he chose to say that of all things, I'll never know. You'd think he'd be grateful I was leaving, but I wasn't finished. You're a chicken shit, I said. You've always been a chicken shit. You're a chicken shit now and you're, you're, you're a goddamn chicken shit. The look on his face. It's burned into my memory. I was immediately sorry I said it, but the insufferable punk that I was wouldn't let me back down. I could see the shocked faces of our neighbors peeking through the trailer windows at us. My dad was stricken, but he tried to hide it. He ran his smooth palm over the skin of his bald head as though trying to squeeze his brain into remembering a life before his fifth child was the meanest person he ever met. His anger, red face turned ashen. I could see what little joy for life he had being sucked out of him into the gray Alaskan sky by a flaming funnel cloud of raging teenage hormones. 
chicken shit was the worst thing I should have, I could have called him, which is exactly why I did it. I knew he felt the same way about himself. He slowly turned away from me and retreated into the trailer, a tiny broken man without even the strength to shut the door. I huffed over to a friend's house to smoke some pot and drink some beer to calm down. I know I knew I'd hurt my dad. I was nearly weeping with guilt and anger, but I hated myself too much to cry. A few hours passed before I got up the nerve to call home and apologize. My little brother picked up the phone. Can you get dad for me, please? He's not here. The ambulance took him. Mom went with him. He had a heart attack. Oh, God, no. I killed my dad. Which hospital? Presbyterian. I jumped up, stoned as hell, and ran the three miles across Anchorage to the hospital. They wouldn't let me in to see him because he was in ICU, but I found my mom and wept and held her and told her how sorry I was. It's all my fault. I made his heart go out. No, you didn't, honey. He, yes, I did. I gave him a heart attack. How can I live with myself? The tortured artist slash rebel without a clue persona I'd been cultivating had morphed into full-blown drama queen. The nurses were having none of it. They insisted I leave. I ran out the building, weeping into the parking lot across into the park across the street, where I smoked cigarettes and cried till myself to sleep on the grass that smelled like urine. I woke up with the sun dripping wet, sat up bleary-eyed to see a man about 20 feet away with his pants down around his knees, stumbling toward me, laughing maniacally. Then he puked. I had died, and I was in hell for patricide. My punishment was an eternity of naked, drunken, puking perverts tormenting me for ripping my father's heart out of his chest. I ran back to the hospital and they let me in to see him. He opened his eyes to find me holding his hand. I'm sorry, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm the chicken shit. It's me who's the coward, not you. It's okay, son, he said. I know you love me. I love you too. That'll never change, no matter what. It turns out he'd been having heart attacks regularly for a couple of weeks. Some would even take him to his knees while he was shaving in the morning before going to the office. He'd just grit his teeth, clench his fists till it passed. He'd suck it up, get off the floor, go to work. He didn't tell anyone because that's how men from the World War II generation were. That's how they were brave. They kept silent about what hurt, even if it was killing him. I never fought with him again, not even so much as a mild disagreement. Miraculously, he lived 10 more years. In 1981, he died of congestive heart failure sitting in his Barca lounger after dinner in his trailer while he was watching MASH on TV. We talked on the phone the day before. His last words were, I love you, son. Lay off the beer. You've only got one body, Jim. Take care of it. He was 65. The year he was going to retire and spend the rest of his life fly fishing in Wyoming. I was 3,000 miles away and drunk when my mom called to tell me that he died. I quit drinking a year and a half later at 28. It took me a few years of sobriety to finally understand I'd been living my amends to him since that day I called him a chicken shit and I didn't need to feel guilty anymore. He knew we were a lot alike, but unlike me, who hated what I saw of myself in him, he loved what he saw of himself in me.
and he forgave me for it. He'd want me to forgive myself for it too because he loved me and that'll never change no matter what. It's a miracle how the heart works, even a sick one, how it learns, how it heals, and how it forgives. A miracle. Wow. Oh my God. I wrote down a line, James. He loved what he saw of himself in me. Oh, this is such an incredible piece. Um, will you do me a favor, please? And will you send me the name of this play? Because I will never get it right. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but please send it to me so that I can get it right. And please send me the name of this, this piece. Wow. Um, Thank you. And what a beautiful thing that you have peace with your amends with your dad and your what a beautiful thing Thank not you. a lot of people get to have that and and then to be able to articulate it like this and to turn it into art is um a beautiful thing it's a beautiful piece it's a beautiful piece thanks for thank you thanks for sharing for it with us huh i i feel so honored that you shared it with us um I, I started to say, I think I said, uh, this is the first time that you were reading it uh, for an audience. Yes. Uh, it, it, you know, I read it for a few people uh, at the, the little group we have up here uh, once a month and, and uh, I'm reading them seven pages at a time. Um, but yeah. Not, but, but I mean, yeah. Uh, for a larger audience, you bet. Yeah, you bet. Well, just um, I'm honored and um, thrilled that you did it. And um, as I said at the top of the show, um, it means the world to, to have this kind of show to honor Christina, who, um, Christina Guzman, who was all about women who write and all about art and, um, sharing it and was such a supporter of artists and musicians and writers and, um, and I'm so um thrilled that Seamus is living his best life and um having this full wonderful life and free of this um you know you are so beautiful <laughs> uh, the the the, pla the platform and the and the uh, that you give uh, uh us you know people that you have connected with from the heart um is is uh Is the greatest gift that you can offer somebody, and I and uh, I, I'm, I'm I'll always be grateful to you for this. Um, I what is this now four or five that I, I and I came to your house twice. Oh, at least, yeah. I, I don't even I don't know. I was, I there, with, I was there that, that time with Lainey Kazan? You oh my god, you know, Lainey is my mother's like best friend now, oh they god, live in the same force. place. She's I, I forgot about you being there with Lainey, but the most historic. James was when you came with Ed Asner and Ed Bob Asner. Cousel. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, wow. I mean, it was amazing to have Lainey in my living room singing. I mean, that was yeah. incredible. But that day with you and Ed and Bob Cousel. Yeah. I mean, I oh my God. 
Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I think about him. You know, we worked together before that. We did a movie of the week or something up in Portland. That's when I met him. Wow. He was amazing. Um, yeah. And and then what? I've talked to you a couple of times here. Once, once here. I think this is this the is the third. This is the third Zoom we've done, I think. This is really? the third. This is maybe the, at least the second Zoom, but we did this live yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we've, we've yeah, chatted so, a few times. But I mean that about uh, the 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 you know the, the opening your heart like this and your and facilitating this. I mean, it's it's a you're so good at it. It's not and you know that's not easy to bring mm -hmm. to bring people that you admire and 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 love and and want to share. Like here's my my friend that he's gonna yeah you know, I mean it's 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 a beautiful loving space and and uh, I know anybody who's Thank ever you. watched it and and but but certainly the people who have been with you in this environment um, I, I think I speak for everybody it's one of the greatest gifts we've ever received Thank you seriously I appreciate that so very thank much. You. I can't wait to see you for real. Um, it's going to take a trip up to Ojai, which is long needed. And um, uh, please let me know when, when, and I'll let everybody know when this is going to get to maybe the Ojai underground, the um, leave your fears at the door so that people oh. can leave your fears here yeah, so that yeah, people yeah. can leave their fears here and walk in and, and yeah, experience you. that you with know. you. And um I look forward to meeting Riyadh and 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 Seamus. I would love to meet Seamus as well. Have we'll work that out. We'll do that. Let me let me know when you we'll we'll, we'll get to, we'll talk. Okay, we'll excellent. Talk. Thanks so much, James. Thank you, Vicky. I love you. Love you. Bye bye. Bye.